0: Hi, I'm Jeremy Kirk, executive editor with Information Security Media Group. The insider threat is one of the most difficult to counter, what happens when an employee goes rogue. I'm speaking today with Charles Carmichael, who's a vice president and strategic services CTO with Mandiant, which is the investigation's arm of FireEye. Thank you for joining us, Charles.
1: Yeah, thanks for having me, Jeremy.
0: So what kind of insider threats do you regularly investigate?
1: Yeah, Jeremy, there's uh, really three main categories of insider threats that uh, we, we tend to deal with. Uh, the first category of threats are the, the state-sponsored actors that uh, have legitimate access to organizations because they're legitimate employees of, of organizations that um, uh, tend to uh, amass and uh, steal a significant amount of intellectual property and other trade secrets so that they could bring it back to either other organizations or they could bring it back to their government. Right now, there's a, a pretty big problem in certain sectors of the United States where you know, legitimate researchers and, um, and other employees of organizations are part of what's known as the uh, China's Thousand Talents Program, which is a, a somewhat publicly discussed uh, program where the uh, Chinese government is uh, essentially trying to amass knowledge uh, from um, industry leaders and pioneers from other parts of the world. And um, and so they're they're leveraging their relationships and they're funding individuals that are employed at uh, um, other organizations across the world, and they're asking them to bring that information that um, that they're working on and that their peers are working on back into the country, and so that's um, that's a pretty interesting problem that we're dealing with now, and it's uh, certainly it's a, a fairly challenging thing to uh, to identify to deal with uh, because of the uh, the political nature of the matter. But yeah, the second type of. Insider threat that we we tend to deal with are are those that are uh, employees that just choose to uh, steal data from their organizations and then extort the uh, owners of the organization or the executives of that uh, organization. And uh, they do this uh, primarily for financial uh, reasons, Uh, you know, perhaps they they may have um, some hard feelings towards their employers, uh, but ultimately they're trying to make money and uh, we've seen multiple situations where uh, uh, either past employees or current employees have extorted their uh, employers or past employers for hundreds of thousands of dollars, uh, even up to a million dollars in, in some situations. So it's, uh, it's pretty interesting to observe that. And maybe the third category is where we see um, individuals that are just curious about uh, maybe you know, payroll information um, and salary information for some of their peers or, or folks that they don't like. And uh, through their uh, uh, you know, combination of their curiosity and some maybe basic hacking techniques uh, we've seen them uh, get access to um, uh, peers' uh, uh, you know, um, corporate accounts and then get access to their uh, payroll systems to see how much they're making and uh, you know, to get access to their email accounts. So uh, we're definitely seeing a, a wide variety of insider threats for various reasons, and it's a, it's a very interesting phenomenon to deal with.
0: So technology is a really international industry. uh, Companies have to hire people from around the world because of their expertise. So how should organizations go about trying to detect insider threats or be aware of the steps that they need to take? Look, it's
1: a a really difficult problem because you can't just say, you know, if you hire an employee from a certain country, you have to assume that they're bad. Uh, There's just no way to operate like that. And, um, and there are a lot of countries that uh, have uh, really good talent and, and great um, uh, great resources that uh, organizations need to be able to tap into. So, uh, you know, from a, a non-technology perspective, we're seeing organizations um, you know try to enhance the the background screening process to look for criminal records for um, you know, individuals that they employ, and to the extent possible, they try to figure out uh, you know are there are there any indicators that they could observe you know, based on any background screening or, or reference checks. Um, uh, with respect to the individuals that they're hiring. From a technology perspective, we're seeing a number of organizations um, deploy insider threat solutions, maybe DLP, data loss prevention solutions, or user and entity behavior analytic solutions that help organizations um, do a combination of monitoring employees um, and then alerting on potentially suspicious activity. So for example, if you see a, um, a user copying over uh, large volumes of data, be coming from a file share that is considered to be higher risk or more sensitive and it's going to external media like an external hard drive or to a thumb drive um, you know it, it uh, certain uh, insider threat solutions will generate alerts on that now just because somebody's copying over data to a thumb drive or an external hard drive doesn't mean that they're doing something wrong uh, it may be you know they may have a legitimate reason for doing that uh, but at least uh, you know, the security solutions will keep track of what's going on and it will generate alerts for, for folks to investigate. And a lot of times we're finding that insiders or malicious insiders are observed because of, um, you know, s- there's some activity or some behavior that they demonstrate that causes folks to, to look into them. And if you have security solution that, that actively monitors what individuals are doing on the network and on their computers, actually allows you to go back in time and see have they done anything malicious
0: put this in perspective do you see more insider threats than external threats or how how often would you say you see this type of scenario
1: we we, we work with a lot of organizations that suspect they're dealing with a malicious insider when when in fact it it may be an external um, party that's uh, broken into the organization I think the assumption is that it may be an insider because um, Organization see legitimate credentials being used by um, by by somebody, and um, the the knowledge of the inside of the network seems to be um, you know, pretty rich, and so there's a lot of times there seems to be the initial assumption that they may be dealing with a, with an insider. When we do investigative work, uh, it's usually uh, pretty easy for us to tell if we're um, initially dealing with an outsider, and I'll tell you the majority of the insider or the the situations in which um, the victim organization thought they were dealing with an, an insider, it ended up being an outsider. However, over the past few years, we started uh, dealing with more and more organizations that uh, truly were dealing with an insider problem. And so, uh, while I'll tell you the volume of cases that we're doing today, um, are, we are doing more insider um, threat investigations today than we had in the past, and it certainly seems to be increasing. Um, the percentage of insider cases versus the the outsider external cases that we tend to deal with, um, it's, it's a much smaller percentage.
0: That's interesting. And the instinct immediately, uh, organizations think that oh, this must be an insider because they've used legitimate credentials. But sometimes it actually turns out to be external. So so that's a hard line to kind of kind of figure out and and where to put your resources immediately for investigation.
1: Yeah, that's right. Yeah, so look, I'll, I'll tell you when when we are dealing with a legitimate insider, uh, I'll, I'll tell you we may be a, a little bit jaded uh, to the point where we sometimes assume that uh, it may actually be an outsider. And uh, anyways, we, we we tend to have to look at the the evidence available to us, and uh, and part of that uh, may be you know actually examining uh, in in a situation where a insider is extorting the organization. You know, we, we may need to examine the uh, the communications that um, the individual that's extorting the organization is sending us and, and look for clues uh, what's surprising to me is uh, what I found is that uh, um, in in a few different situations when dealing with an insider that was extorting their business uh, they actually said they were an employee or that they were collaborating with an employee which uh, I always thought was interesting for them to, to give that up uh, give that away right away um, and in fact to the point where there were times where I actually thought they were trying to throw a false flag and um, Make us think that they were actually an insider when, when in fact they're an outsider. Uh, but uh, for those uh, few situations where uh, they actually, where they said they were an insider, they ended up actually being either an insider or a former employee. Um, so it's it's definitely interesting from a, an investigative perspective. You, you got to look at a lot of leads. You got to look at the communications that you're getting from the attackers, and you may even need to actually interview um, individuals within the organization and ask them questions and um, see um, whether or not their story uh, makes sense and uh, and, and every so often when you uh, ask employees questions uh, about something and, and if you suspect that they may be involved in intrusion or an extortion, uh, sometimes they um, they confess right away. And that's also happened as well.
0: So it's a combination of, of kind of like human inquisitiveness plus technical indi- indicators, neither of which may give you the full picture.
1: Yeah, that, that's right. You know, we, we've definitely had cases where we found very little forensic evidence of, of an insider. Um, But we found a few leads that um, led us to have um, uh, in-person conversations with uh, specific individuals. And and based on those limited technical indicators of of having those conversations with people and then having those actual conversations with people and then asking them specific questions, um, we have, um, you know, gotten information from those individuals that allowed us to ask further questions um, which had either led to a slip up or or to a confession. So yeah, absolutely, it's a combination of of human investigations as well as um, uh, technical investigations. So what would
0: be your recommendations for companies who are worried about this and see uh, you know opportunities or feel like there's opportunities for people to steal their intellectual property? What sort of protections should they put in place against insiders? Yeah,
1: you know, it, it, it puts. I, I do recognize when you as you talk about insider threats, it, uh, it it's it's a strange feeling to. Know that you're working with people or to have this assumption that you're working with people that may not be trustworthy and um, you know it's in our human nature to to want to trust people to want to collaborate with individuals and you know unfortunately um, you know there are um, you know in, in any organization there may be you know one person or maybe multiple people that uh, you know may operate uh, with uh, with malicious intent and um, it's not easy to, to be able to spot them you know they they may not give away any uh, clear indicators that uh, they're doing something malicious so so organizations they they should uh, practice um, you know g- good security hygiene. They should um, you know really consider looking into you know some of the insider threat solutions that exist out there that will at least give them some level of visibility into what uh, employees are doing. It may not always be possible to proactively identify when malicious activity occurs. Uh, but at least if you have some record of what users have uh, you know have been doing in the past um, and you have a reason to suspect somebody, now uh, you could actually at least go back in time and identify what the uh, individuals have done.
0: Great tips. Well, thank you very much for joining us, Charles, and thank you for your time.
1: Yeah, absolutely. It's good talking to Jeremy.
0: I've been speaking with Charles Carmichael, who's a vice president and strategic services CTO with Mandiant. For Information Security Media Group, I'm Jeremy Kirk.